Hi, welcome to Tree Impressions. This is Dustin. You're also oh, sore arborist alongside my brother, Rustin Marcello. Howdy. Groundman extraordinaire today. Learning. Helped me out in a couple tough spots. Learning. Today wasn't bad. You know, um, we climbed a couple. I, I, I say we because it was a joint effort. I couldn't do it by myself. But um, I was the one actually in the trees today. Um, and we were doing a couple big red oaks. <clears throat> I don't know, how tall? 80 foot. 80, 90 foot. Yeah. yeah. Canopy width. Overhanging a, uh, oh, canopy width, probably 100 foot. Yeah. Overhanging, yeah. Overhanging. Uh, street trees. These are street trees. Yeah. Sidewalk street. Diameter 46 to 52 inches. Yeah, easily. Easily. Three and a half foot. Yeah. To four foot. Yeah, the oh, first they were one monsters. Was, first one was easily a four footer. And then I think the second one slightly it didn't have it had like two real main codominant stems. Yeah. The other one was, was branched out about ten feet up in a couple of different directions, like the one going towards the chimney. Yeah. It's like <laughs> ten feet up. It's hilarious. <laughs> um so um Basically, we were it, it, typically what we like to do with these mature trees is just deadwood, deadwood and functional prune. We had a number of obstacles. We had a landscape, um, service lines, um, cars. This is a mature tree that is providing a tremendous amount of um, sun blockage over the house. Which is what you really want a mature tree to do. It is going to be, it's providing the greatest amount of value. Sure. Young trees just cannot do. And you do want it to go over the house a little bit. But it was going into the chimney of the following house. But it was intertwined with at least, what, four houses? Yeah. It's canopy. The canopy was large enough to cover the street and influence <clears throat> the, the canopies um, of... So when we have trees of this size and this these height, typically... Um, you know, the mature trees don't grow like a semi-mature tree or a juvenile. All you really need to do to these large trees is some interior sucker thinning and major deadwood. And then keep an eye out for entrenchment, which a lot of older trees get. People will sometimes um, think that it's a disease or an insect. And what it actually really is, is the root system no longer can, can support this size of a canopy. Right. So then we get some tip dieback. And um, unfortunately, it's, that's a really, really difficult job. Working from the outside of a, of a tree that's 100 foot and 100 foot wide, you've got, I mean, it's, it's a climber's nightmare. Yeah. And a lot of times bucket trucks are unfortunately only able to go 60 to 80 foot and you can't reach the backside there's branches in the way and so um, you got to bring in you know a high climber do you just make a larger reduction somewhere else to get that it really kind of all depends on <clears throat> where the tree is mm -hmm. Because we're t now talking, if, we, if we're having that happening, now we're talking about hazards. Right. So it's, there's small hazards, little twigs to start out with, 
and then once they get to two inch right. to three inch diameter, um, those branches break. What a lot of people forget is you've got a hundred foot tall tree. Well, things hit terminal velocity 40 feet. Yeah, wow. That's 60 miles an hour. Yeah. So getting hit by anything at 60 miles an hour. Yes. Especially when there's no wind, it's really covering the space around it. Things fall straight down. Mm -hmm. There's no, because the the canopy's so large, which is a good thing to, you know, it helps... I'm sure, like the climber drop branches, knowing it's gonna fall straight. It's sure. not the wind's not gonna take it out somewhere. Obviously, I don't know how many other times that happens. But today, you did a good job, um, really getting out on those branches. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> there was a lot of so arborists will have to. So a climbing arborist has to take a lot of things into consideration. One, his tie-in spot. So we had the big shot out today, which is basically a slingshot on a stick. Mm-hmm. And then we put a throw bag and throw line and we shoot it up into some branches. And at one point we put one up and our throw line wasn't long wasn't enough. Long enough. Yeah. So I think that tree, quite honestly, I mean, because we're using like 200 foot throw lines. Oh, I said 80 and that was like to where you were That's maybe probably shooting. where I was tied in at was yeah. 80. And you probably had another 20 feet above you. Easily. Yeah. Easily. That tree was huge. We got a... I think we got some pictures. I took a little video. I took yeah. a little video. Anyways, um, but it went smooth. You got deadwood out, and yeah. that's about all you have to do is mature trees. That's right? really. I think that's it. A little fertilization probably goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then monitoring it. Two years. I think a, a large mature tree, um, depending on the species, um, three to four years, you should have an arborist look at. You know, they're an asset. Holy smokes, we can go on. That's for another podcast. You know, well, we talk a little bit about what big trees is bring urban. in regards to. You know, I read this article <clears throat> the other day about trees and wood and um, um, climate change. So basically, trees absorb carbon. Um, and uh, turn it into wood, right? Mm-hmm. Through via a few processes, photosynthesis, photosynthesis and stuff like that. That's a huge one. So now they've turned into what I would say batteries. They store energy. They store energy. Yep. Okay, which helps us with you know. So it's great, but when we start losing these big trees, we're losing huge, huge batteries. The little trees just—I mean, we could plant a hundred. One inch diameter trees would not even come close to what those two trees we climbed today. Uh, uh, the mature tree. We're releasing. You want to take dies, the most ca- take yeah, care of. When that tree dies, you it's going to release so much carbon. Yeah, and the amount of energy it will take just to dismantle it. Mm. I mean, the, it's stored energy. However, you want to look at it. Okay, it got that big. It's going to be that. It's going to take the that much to get out. It's going to happen one way or another. Whether. And, then, and we have to get that, and we have to get it back into this the process. But you you're talking about the benefits of pollution and uh, temperature and all that stuff. Small trees won't do it quite at the extent, no. near the extent or capacity as a big tree. The amount of water that goes in and out yeah. of a tree per day, mm-hmm. 
you know, between day and night and soil, you know, rising and lowering. That's where you check your foundations and root pruning and things like that. Because you could still keep a tree in, uh, in a yard. And if you take those measures uh, and not damage it enough, it can continue to grow and be 200 years old. Yeah, right tree, right place. They're an asset. These, this client who's, you know. They look right afterwards, too. <sighs> Fantastic. You know, you know why they look so great? Because mm. I did it. That's probably why. I cleanse. Oh, my shoulders feel like they're gonna fall off. Oh my god. Mm. <clears throat> oh, all the yoga in the world right now won't help. No. <laughs> no. So if you ever hire an arborist, just consider what they have to do day in, day out. Appreciate the the heights, the skill. Yeah, you're not hiring someone to clean your house. Yeah, you know, you're not hiring someone to clean your house, exactly. You're not hiring someone to dig a ditch. No, you're asking some dude to overcome a natural fear. And if you're prepared to go to the top of a ladder... Yeah. Okay, and and handle the sacrifices of falling off of it. <laughs> right. Because that uh, men were not meant to go up ladders, okay? You, when you're standing on an object that high... You tipping upside down. That's it's all head injuries <clears throat> off ladders. You're not gonna go down the ladder, okay? <laughs> right. You're going off of it, <laughs> right? Okay, yeah, head going... first yeah. and awkward as fuck. <laughs> if you're stumbling around, and yeah. I've seen my, have you ladders seen those clips? Kill more dads. Oh, we had a coach all passed away mm-hmm. fixing a light bulb for his mom. Wow, fell off a ladder. There's only one way to land. And it's not on your feet. We're not cats. Oh, oh, that's so sad to hear. Movie review. Oh, we're gonna go into movie reviews. Yeah, because um, I did watch a creepy movie, Eraserhead. Oh, you want to talk about that a little bit? Just real quick, just because uh, it was a uh, David Lynch film. Okay. And um, he did Dune. Right. And he also did um, Twin Peaks. Okay. So he's so in that. So I've only seen one of those three movies. Right. And well, and Twin Peaks was a TV show. Yeah, I know that. <clears throat> they didn't they have a Twin Peaks movie? movie? They sure did. And anyway, Anyways, that was I think way. Later. It had to have been a movie prop thing because it was science fiction horror. Okay. So what's what's the setting in Eraserhead? Okay, this uh, really pathetic looking guy that has a head that looks like an eraser. You know, his hair is poofed up. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think everybody's kind of familiar with that. Oh, and it gets ugly. Picture. Yeah. And uh, he's on his way to uh, his girlfriend's house and shows up. Parents act weird. Everything's in black and white. Yeah, yeah. And every, he's very uncomfortable. What year did this movie come out? 77. Okay. And no one real famous. He used a lot of his own family members for it. I want to say it was a piece that he did... At when, that when he was in film school, so okay, it was so early, it indie early indie style. stuff, and they'll cut to scenes where you'll see some very odd shapes merge with other shapes, like a head and a brain. There's an alien that shows up in this thing, okay, which is supposedly his, because when he shows up at his girlfriend's house, um, one part that really started the whole disturbance thing was the old man, the father. He's very, uh, he's a plumber and he walks really funny and he brings out this turkey that's very small and he offers him to cut it, okay? And the turkey's been cooked. The turkey's been cooked, right? Which is really weird too because when he actually puts 
the knife and he, that he takes in his hands and the fork, he looks around all wild-eyed and gets ready to cut it and then it starts moving its legs. The turkey does. So what's it this opens movie up. about? Oh, so then the mom starts wigging out like she's having a seizure, then snaps to and goes, hey, come with me, I need to talk to you. They go into the other room and he goes, she goes, did you have sexual relations with my daughter? And he was like, what? Now, first of all, here's the other thing. Um, Rotten Tomatoes gave it an 81. What was so appealing about this movie? Uh, the oddity of it. There's a, a girl that lives in the radiator that comes out. You wouldn't believe in this unless you saw it, but it, it's kind of almost reminiscent of uh, uh, Smashing Pumpkins and that song that they had and the guy, the moon, man in the moon. Mm-hmm. This girl's out dancing. Tonight, tonight. Right? And she's got this really fake caked puffs on her cheeks with curly white hair and stuff like that. The end of the movie, they end up together because he loses his mind. He gets this baby. He marries this girl. They move into this apartment. The baby wails all the time. It's an alien-looking baby. It looks like a skinless rodent, and it's slimy AF, like it came from Alien. And it's wrapped really tightly in this bun. So, so finally, the lady, the, the his wife, she's like, I can't do this anymore. She, looks, she has enough problems. She leaves, and he's like, screw you. Um, I'll just stay here. Anyway, he starts trying to take care of the baby. People have a lot of presumptions about what the representation, like what is this movie about? And I was like, okay, maybe it's his ego. Uh, slightly. Maybe the baby, this alien baby, is his ego because he becomes, he gets attached to it. Whenever he leaves, it calls him back. There's a girl that is trying to seduce him in the apartment across from him as well. And things get crazy. Heads blow up. He ends up cutting the bandage off this... Um, okay, you thing. should stop right now. It's bad. I'm, it's bad. But, well, it kept me a kind of appealed to it, but that was a race red. You know what was also bad, and I think I made a few references to it, was Deadpool. Oh, okay, so we're going to talk Deadpool. Well, yeah, because I think we both nailed it, or I did, about it being very campy at the yeah, end. Yeah, unfortunately and it was really campy, but... It took yeah, a national it, lampoon turn. Yeah, it really did. I thought that was some great insight on a good analogy is what that that is I mean it just gosh for whatever reason the first one was just done perfectly and I don't know if it's Ryan Reynolds influence on the comedy and the writing that made it so cheesy but you remember some of those Van Wilder movies I don't think I ever watched them watch one yeah and it's the same type of humor and everything same character Slightly. Yeah. Very, very quick-witted. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. And, he pulls it all the time. And he's, such a good he job. can look into the camera and do the fourth wall. Do you think that um, we're going to see Deadpool in any of the um, uh, Avenger universe? Ooh. You know what? It's kind of He's kind of like in his own universe. I could see him like, making... I mean, for whatever reason, you know, we have that have Easter to really egg. continue to be successful. At making comic book movies, and I think Deadpool almost took a step sideways in comic yeah, book movies. I think took a step, yeah, but it got got really good reviews. Well, everybody likes the character. Yeah, it I just think was that's what it is. everybody else in the movie as well, and he just was. He was never my 
a, a favorite character of mine when he first came, even first came I out. Him. Did I you? Oh, I didn't. I was like, oh, it's a. I just kind of felt like he was a rip off of oh. Spider Man more than anything. It's like, oh, we've got Spider Man with guns, and well, then it's like Wolverine. Yeah. And uh, the the whole, his whole mutant ability. And Thank Rob Liefeld. Yeah, I don't know why they let him do that. Golly. Do they... Well, I wonder if comic book writers and stuff like that... Obviously, they must have to get some amount of permission. Like, hey, I've got this character I'm creating. Um, this is his powers. This is what he's about. Is it cool? The editor's probably going to go in and go, no, you can't have this guy. No, 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 the powers are too much. Too much like super. I wonder if they I have think a lot of artists are also writers. Uh, yeah, probably. Or some guy that also is writing goes, okay, so I'm great idea first. Sure, I'm sure writers. Yeah, they've got an right. editor. And so and he does a storyboard. Yeah, like I remember when they came out with Supreme. Remember Supreme from Image? There was a lot of them. Oh my god, Supreme. Who was your favorite Image? You know, comic book. Oh, that's a real good one. Spawn. No, I couldn't stand Spawn. But I liked Bad Rock. Mm-hmm. So that was what, Youngblood? Youngblood was cool. Yeah, Youngblood was They good. were a decent answer to X-Men at the time, because X-Men and Jim... I thought they were more of an answer to Avengers, because they had, what was that guy, Atlantis or Goliath? He was a big tall dude. Yeah, and they had a guy with the bow and arrow. Uh, oh yeah, they were an edgier version of the Avengers. And I think every comic book company has got to have some sort of. And I like the fact that everybody compares to Star. Was fucking dope. Star or image. The dude that the Hollywood. Oh right, Valentine um, um, out of his uh, forearm, and he had the goggle like with the star on his forehead. Are you talking about Blackhawk? No, Blackhawk was another one that I thought was really cool too. But Star made an appearance in um, Savage he had Dragon. That, he had okay, that, Savage Dragon was another one that was awesome. He had awesome. that alien thing on his chest? No. No. This dude was like comical, kind of. He had hair. Ended up getting burned off. But he's Savage Dragon fucking... Oh, he's a Savage Dragon character? Yeah. Oh, S-T-A-R... It was um, an acronym for something. Maybe it was an acronym. Yeah, and he was kind of like um, he seemed more like purple. Purple? Yeah. Look that up. Purple. Yeah. You remember him? Savage Dragon. Yeah. Oh, and Savage Dragon had that one really superpower guy. Remember him? Came back from the dead. Savage Dragon also had a couple other uh, misfits that were um, trying to make a super team. Remember Barbaric and uh, Dart? Oh, yes. I remember Dart. Okay. I remember Barbaric. Okay. And Ricochet. That was Barbaric's sidekick. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then Star showed up at one time. And he was a Hollywood playboy jumping into the superhero gig and he's just like super athletic and he shot these ninja stars out of this compartment covering his forearm and he showed up and fucking helped out Savage Dragon I liked him that's what I'm talking about 
And then there was that one, uh, she looked like a lizard. What was her name? She was all screwed up. But Eric Larson was an artist like no other. He was a comic book artist. No, that dude. He had nothing to do with anatomy. Yeah, I know. Oh, then boobs and waist ratio was like out of control. Yeah. Oh, guns. Oh, biceps. Man. I always liked it when they drew up. When no, I my saw my jacket has um, the yeah, side of the dragon on the back yeah. of it. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, and still to this day, is Tommy Farm. No. Still to this day. I've seen a lot that have impressed me, but the, what drew me to uh, comic books was Tommy Farm. Spider-Man's take. Torment. That yeah. was pretty good. And then when I looked at all the other... Torment uh, was very good. He did Amazing Spider-Man for quite some time. And then they went... So did Eric Larson. Yeah. Eric Larson did um, some great, great ones. Um, yeah, Sinister know. Six stuff. You hear about Jake um, Glennonhall? Gyllenhaal? Gyllenhaal. Yeah, the new... Uh, Mysterio, possibly. Mysterio, possibly. I like that. It's going to be interesting how they decided to cover that one. Because if you've seen that dude in the comic books... Okay, he has a fishbowl that covers his head. Yeah. Okay, and two eyes on each shoulder with a big cape. I think you could pull off a magician that has a similar... Crystal ball. ...suit, you know, like he's got a nice tie. He's got to have a bowl. He has to have a ball over his head, don't you think? You think so? (laughs) I think so. Mysterio. Oh, I don't know how you pull that one off. I mean, they did a good job with... Um, How do you think he, he, he must uh, gas the people I, like he does the illusions on, like LSD yeah. type of trip? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden you're like... Whoop. What if he's like some sort of shaman? Well, supposedly Mysterio made Wolverine think that yeah. everyone was a, a villain mm-hmm. and he was slaughtered all the X-Men. Mm-hmm. So that Mysterio... Old yeah, Old Man Logan. I'm going to bed. All right. Well, I'm going to see if Thanks I can for get listening. Catch us on tillistree.com, tillistree care on Instagram, tillist underscore tree underscore care. Right. And, um, don't do it. That's it. Peace. Peace.